Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into Kingdom Keys, the official pregame podcast for Arrowhead Pride with Price Carter, Nate Christensen, Maurice Elston. I am Nick Schwert, and guys, it took till week two, but the Chiefs got the first win of the season. And now we are fully loaded, fully healthy, ready for, uh, I think a game that has a lot of Chiefs fans, and I would imagine a lot of guys in that locker room sort of licking their chops with the Chicago Bears sort of limping into this game. We'll get into this matchup, but the Bears were a sexy pick over the offseason. They acquired DJ Moore. Maybe Justin Fields will take a big step into week three or into year two. And haven't quite seen that yet in Chicago. So should be a good one this weekend, at least if you're looking for the Chiefs to get on track offensively. The defense has been stealing the show. But before we get to the game, Price, what's the injury report? How are the Chiefs looking here for this week three matchup? Okay, so uh, probably the most notable injury is going to actually be on the Bears side. Their left tackle, left tackle Braxton Jones, went on the injured reserve with a neck injury. Uh, so that that's probably the most notable. He will definitely be out for this game. On the Bears side, uh, defensive back Eddie Jackson didn't participate in practice on Thursday. Neither did Nate Davis. He's a guard that they signed this year, um, but he, it looks like he'll probably be back. That was a personal reason, not an injury-related. Uh, for the Chiefs, the list is a little lengthy. Nick Bolton didn't practice today on Thursday. Neither did Richie James or Kadarius Tony. Uh, it sounds like from what our own Pete Sweeney said, Richie James is probably going to be out a period of time, so I don't expect him to suit up for this game. Nick Bolton and Kadarius Tony are a little bit more, uh, might come down to the wire as to whether they're going to play. Keep a close eye on Friday. Usually Andy likes his guys to play practice on Friday before they play. The good news is, if Nick Bolton does go down, but they've got Drew Tranquil that can step right into the mic role. He has put, Played a little bit more last week anyways. So good news there if Nick Bolton does go down. Yeah, it seems like the the positions or the players that we're talking about, knock on wood, are at positions where the Chiefs do have a little bit of depth, right? This isn't Travis Kelsey missing week one where it's like, okay, we got Blake Bell out there who Mahomes is throwing to on third and long with the game on the line. It feels like those are sort of the spots where you can afford to miss a guy if that ends up being the case for Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and I, I honestly, in, in the best way possible, it, it may not be the worst thing in the world for there to be some less att- some attrition in the wide receiver room right now. It definitely feels like they're still working out the rotation. I, I wonder if having seven wide receivers is part of what's led to some of the inconsistencies in the room so far. These guys just got to get snaps. And this is, I think, this this stretch here that the Chiefs are about to go through. I think the record of the next like six teams they play is like one and 11. They need to get this wide, re- wide receiver room figured out. And if they're going to play Rasheed Rice or Justin Ross and some of the younger guys, let them make their mistakes against the Bears and the Broncos and teams like that. So that way, when it comes time to pay the Bengals and the Bills and AFC contenders, they've, they've figured out the rotation. All right, guys, this is our third episode of Kingdom Keys this year. And my keys 
for each of the first two episodes where the wide receiver, I'll just say it right now, I'm not focusing on the receivers today, but I want to see if that streak's going to stay alive. Let's get to our keys for Chiefs, Bears. Nate, why don't you start us off? Are you going to keep the streak alive? Are you focusing on the wide receivers this week? A little bit, but it's more about kind of a overall offensive thing. One thing that when I go back and watch the games, I'm thinking is there's a lot of time for Patrick Mahomes to throw, and yet there's not a lot of downfield throws, right? It's kind of this weird kind of juxtaposition. So I was like, okay, let me like take a look at this. So if you look at like time to throw in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes right now is right under three seconds. The guys above him are Zach Wilson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, and Jalen Hurts, and Bryce Young, who are all notorious for holding the ball forever. So Mahomes right now is right around like he's tied for sixth in the NFL in time to throw. But if you look at completed air yards, he's among the lowest in the NFL. He's at 4.6, according to Next Gen Stats. The guys under him, I'll just read them real quick. is Fields, Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, Anthony Richardson, and Bryce Young. A lot of struggling offenses or a lot of rookie quarterbacks. Average intended air yards is more friendly to Mahomes. He's uh, more around like league average at like 7.7. But his aggressiveness percentage is among the lowest in the league at 11.3%. That's like among the bottom 10. Every statistical indicator kind of suggests this kind of weird juxtaposition with the Chiefs where the offensive line is playing very well. They're not giving up sacks. They're not giving up a lot of pressures. I know Jawan Taylor's had the issues last week, the penalties, but he still played like a good game overall. It's just the fact that the Chiefs aren't able to complete things downfield right now, um, especially off like play action and things like that. And, you know, this week the Bears obviously had the issue with their defensive coordinator leaving. We're not exactly clear why, but he's not around this week in the middle of a game plan. It's a very just not talented defense at all. I want to see some explosive plays. Let's get some targets downfield moving. Let's move things beyond the sticks. Like I know that the Chiefs last year became this kind of brute efficiency team at times, but they still were like among the league leaders in like explosive plays. And through two weeks, they've not been able to generate many explosive throws downfield at all. So let's see it. Let's get Sky Moore going downfield. Let's get other players that, you know, Rashi Rice. Let's get them going downfield. Justin Ross, maybe throw him a fade like 20 yards downfield. Like I just want to see the Chiefs in a game where they have a huge talent advantage where they have a huge coaching advantage, everything just attempt passes downfield and maybe it won't work, but I, I think that they need to almost like build like confidence. It's like seeing a shot go beyond from three, right? Like at some point you just got to let your shooter shoot. It's the same thing here. Like even if it doesn't work at like a super high efficiency, let's just try and get the offense going downfield. Yeah. Last week specifically, it, it looked really difficult. I think in week one, you can a lot of times just chalk that up to, okay, they're rusty, whatever the case may be, because a lot of teams look bad in week one. To see the offensive struggles carry over into week two, I think that was when a lot of people's antennas started going up to say, okay, is there something to be concerned about here? Where are you guys at now two weeks seeing this offense look like a shell of their former selves? Is this still getting comfortable, everybody meshing and gelling and getting into the flow of the season? Or do you guys think there are bigger concerns at play here? I mean, I think it's uh, uh, everybody gelling things still. I think it's still early with that many new receivers in the room. I mean, the only receiver you really were bringing back from last year that was here a, a whole season last year was MVS and Watson, right? So you still got a young receivers. Teams have kind of went the, the first two weeks. You've seen a lot of zone defense against the Chiefs. 
And kind of what I've seen from the young receivers is just honestly a lot of spacing issues um, and being able to find that space, find where to sit down and where Mahomes is thinking they're going to sit, they're drifting and things of that nature. So I really feel like that as time you would think that it it would take place, but then it goes to say like, hey, can we find a good rotation where these players can get uh, adequate amount of snaps where they can get that chemistry and get that comfortability to find the spaces and be on the same page as Mahomes? I just don't think one receiver has really had enough snaps to really build that. Yeah, um, it's one of those things, too. It just it just feels like everything is just really close, and it's just execution. You know, the first week there was the missing Travis Kelsey, the drops, then this next week, they're playing in the heat. It's And also the Jaguars are a good team. One thing that really stood out to me whenever I was writing this week, and obviously keep in mind these are PFS, so these scores are subjective. Please save all your hate for Twitter. Um, but these are the scores of the offensive line right now, and they just don't scream what the Chiefs have had. Creed Humphrey is 18th out of 33 centers. Joe Tooney's 21st out of guards. Trey Smith is 24th out of 71 guards. Donovan Smith is 53rd out of 71 qualifying tackles. Jawan Taylor's 63rd out of 71 qualifying tackles. They just haven't been getting it done in the trenches and run blocking particularly. That's the spot that stick outs to me quite a bit. Going piggybacking off of what Nate said, um, the comment you hear the most about Tua Tungvaloa right now so much is that they can't sack him. He's throwing the ball down a field, but they can't sack him because the ball is out so quick. Because what do they have? They have the ultimate separators. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill can get open in two seconds because they run so fast. And the Chiefs have the opposite of that. So I definitely thought, surprisingly, whenever they started using more inside zone and power with Pacheco in the second half, the running game took off and it looked a little bit better and the offense opened up a little bit too. So I definitely think that's something that they're going to have to work on too. But right now I lean towards its execution, but we're, we're starting to enter the territory where it, it legitimately might just be a skill player issue. So I, I would compare it like, it's almost like the, the Chiefs feel very like constrained right now. It feels like like in a basketball court when you're playing, like, compare basketball game, like when you're playing with like two non-shooters, and you're trying to like drive to the basket and you're like running into like three shot blockers. Like that's that's how the Chiefs offense sort of feels right now. It feels like they just don't have like space to operate that, you know, whether that's both in the like the run and pass game. Like even like I know this is going to be like this touchdown to Sky Moore. That's like a hard throw like that Mahomes didn't make like on the back shoulder. There was not like a lot of space there. It just doesn't feel like the Chiefs right now when like a few years ago and this is when they had Tyree kill, they just had all this space to throw all the time. Wide up, wide open windows. There's just not those windows right now at all. Well, uh, I'll, I'll go you one further with the basketball analogy. It also kind of feels like they're all looking around waiting for Steph Curry to make the like logo three from mid court. And someone's waiting for a big play to happen. And the only times the offense has looked really good is no huddle situations. There was a drive in the Lions game right before half. They went right down the field and scored. And then they went and did it again in the Jacksonville game. It, it just feels like they're thinking a lot. Uh, to your point about the spacing, too, the Chiefs are towards the bottom of the league. I don't have the uh, number right in front of me, but I retweeted on my profile uh, that basically the Chiefs are facing not a lot of too high anymore. Teams aren't afraid of them. They're clouding the intermediate zones now again because like they don't have the X factor. They're facing a lot less too high than they used to. So um, it feels like teams are challenging them in that way. So they're going to have to find a way to counteract. The good news is usually we're sitting around talking about the defense and how much it struggles. That's not struggling. And if I had to pick a side to be uh, remain confident in over a period of time, it's going to be the offense with Pat and Andy. To that point, though, Price, with the way that teams are defending the Chiefs, like 
Andy Reid is the ultimate counterpuncher because that's what every single team in the NFL, no matter how successful you are offensively, there are really good defensive coordinators. They will find something to, at the very least, slow you down. And whenever that has happened under Andy Reid in Kansas City, he has always adjusted. And it doesn't always happen instantaneously. Sometimes it may take four weeks. It may take six weeks or half a season. But he is the the master manipulator, the master tinkerer. And I think that's one thing that's kind of tough early in the season when you want to see this team come out of the gates firing. But using history as a guideline here, Andy will probably find a way, even if this is a personnel issue, even if he doesn't have the guys he thought he did in the offseason, he will find a way to bring the best out of these guys because history would tell you he always does. Maurice, let's go to you, man. What is your uh, key for Chiefs Bears on Sunday? Uh, my, my key, man, what I really think just for the, the, the Chiefs, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball and just to get, continue good play from the DBs. Um, I, th- I think this week with them not really having to come up against some um, top-tier receivers, really, where they don't have to focus on really shutting down, I really think we can go out there, Spaz can play his man-to-man coverage, right, man up, press coverage, and really kind of force Justin Fields to really, you know, fit some balls in there. And, and, and I think our DBs match up tremendously well in this situation, especially, I mean, Trent McDuffie is playing at a at a very high, high level right now. Um, the way Snead was able to slow down really, like, he, I, I think he followed him last game, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of times they had him following the top receiver, you know, Snead started doing it a lot of times at the end of the season last year, and it really came to be successful. And even when, like when the two look beat their makeup speed and, and, and the way they are attacking the ball and using the boundaries to their, to their, to their benefit has really, um really started to shine. And so I, I love to see the DBs take these, these, these nine big name receivers out of the game and tighten up. But I think that'll really allow the time for our pass rush to get there without blitzing. Yeah, you look at, and this is very typical of Steve Spagnuolo, but you look at, you know, the blitz numbers, team defense, like once again, up in the top third of of the NFL, that is kind of his bread and butter. Uh, I'll be really interested to see what kind of game plan he comes up with, because there tend to be like a handful of games each year where Steve Spagnuolo is like the talking point afterwards in a negative sense, right? You go on Twitter, Chiefs Twitter, and people are blasting Spags for his game plan in that specific matchup. And I kind of take that as like a nice little solid point of solace here early in the season that there have been no boo birds coming out for Spags so far through two weeks. Yeah, man. I last last year I wrote an article about defending Spags right after the Bengals loss, and you would not believe the amount of people who were arguing with me, telling me that I was wrong and that Spags had to go and all that type of stuff. Surprisingly enough, none of them have uh, reached out recently. Uh, one one thing about Justin Fields too is teams aren't blitzing him at a heavy percentage. Uh, they're facing some of the lowest blitz percentages in the league. Uh, he, this man generates pressure all on his own. He's like a pass rusher's best friend. Uh, I see, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the video that went around of him. He's got two open receivers. He sits in the pocket, looks at them both, goes no, then runs like directly into two pass rushers. Um, he's just thinking a lot. He even described himself as robotic. Uh, you know, they're probably going to play a decent amount of zone against him, um, trying to, you know, flood the zones, make sure he, all the passing lanes are clogged up and also to protect him against as a runner. Um, I, I think like the only thing that really concerns me defensively here 
and we saw it last year. There was just this dramatic shift in the Bears offense mid-year where the, it was that Patriots game. They played on Monday Night Football, and they finally started just letting Justin Fields run around and play hero ball. And it caught the Patriots off guard. And we know Bill Belichick's a great defensive mind, and it caught him off guard. If this is the game that the Bears decided to do it, obviously there's been a lot of turmoil in the in the locker room for them this week. If they decide to do that, it could present some challenges. Thankfully, Spagnuolo has been pretty good against running quarterbacks. Um, you know, the, Lamar Jackson, players like Josh Allen, yes, they've put up big passing numbers against them, but as a runner, they've never really dominated them. Uh, so, you know, it, make Justin Fields a thrower. I feel like that's a good path to success for them. All right, Price, why don't you take it from here then? I want to hear about these wide receivers. I think at this point in the season, until the wide receivers prove themselves for the Chiefs, somebody's going to have to go ahead and bite the bullet and take the wide receivers as their key. Yeah, I I will go ahead and take and I'll even take into a step further beyond just wide receivers and seeing someone step up. They've got to figure out who's going to play and who's going to play what role. Um, surprisingly enough, Justin Watson has been the guy who like Justin Watson has more receiving yards than uh, Jamar Chase through two weeks. Um, you know, if you had that on your bingo card, congrats, but at some point they just are going to have to figure out what role these players are going to fit into. Um, we talked about Richie James a little bit. sounds like he's probably not going to play with an MCL injury. Richie James to me is the player that I am the most, I don't want to say disappointed, but I'm the most surprised about, I thought he was going to have a much larger role in this offense kind of the similar to the McCole Hardman role. And it's just not happened. Um, Justin Ross is basically J- Jody Fortson as far as like where he's used at, kind of the scheme and the packages that he's used in. I would like to see more of him. And then, yeah, every time we see Rasheed Rice with the ball in his hands, it looks fantastic. And he seems to have already kind of got on the same page with Mahomes as far as when a play breaks down scrambling, because at least one of his catches has come off of that. So cleaning up the rotation and then like, let's just, limit the turnovers from the wide receiver core. Kadarius Tony put a ball on the ground. Justin Watson put a ball on the ground. Pat threw an interception. Richie James dropped a punt. There was potential for four turnovers in this game after a turner turnover heavy game in week one. They need to figure out who are the guys that they're going to go with. Um, ideally, I think the, the big question that needs answered still is who is going to do the juju role. Right now it's Justin Watson. I don't necessarily think that that's the person that you want to, but snap percentage wise and where they're playing at, it's juju. And I would like to see them give Rasheed Rice that opportunity. What do you mean by the juju role? So, you know, obviously after Tyree Kill left, the offense changed a lot. Um, you know, at the beginning, Tyree Kill was just kind of, hey, go run, go touch the goalpost. We're going to throw the ball deep to you, stretch the field with you. You're going to be the big big play threat. And then we're going to have uh, Travis Kelsey soak up those intermediate zones. As Tyree Kill left, Travis Kelsey became the primary target in the offense and Basically, Travis Kelsey made it so teams did not want to play zone against the Chiefs. And then Juju was one of the few players that could win against man. Right now, the Chiefs are struggling to find someone who can win one-on-one in man coverage. You've got Travis Kelsey, who's always going to make it hard for teams to play zone because he's so good at finding those soft spots. But they need someone who can either play out of the slot or play at the X and basically pick up those extra dollar bills that are on the ground that Travis Kelsey leaves essentially meaning like, Hey, if there's free yardage, go and get it as far as across the middle win against man. And then if they do play zone, find those soft spots too. Uh, yes. Juju had some decent run after the catch moments, but if you think about most of the, ca- you know, most of the passes he caught last year, it was basically catch the ball, get tackled, stand up, go do it again. He wasn't a big run after the catch type of person. Um, They've got players for that, right? That's that's what McCall Hardman is for. Um, that are not McCall Hardman. Kadarius Tony is for McCall Hardman. Played in that role last year. Uh, they just need someone who can really kind of keep, make teams be disciplined, 
through the middle of the field, especially the slot. Yeah, I often like to think about like wide receivers to bring up the basketball analogy again. Um, with this particular team, a lot of like coaches like in basketball, uh, in case people wonder, the only other sport I watch five football is basketball, so I'm going to compare them a lot. Like, but like you'll see a team sometimes have like play like 10, 11 people, and then it's like not working because there's just too many like there's too many minutes, and it's hard to like juggle lineups and things like that. So a lot of coaches will do is like, okay, we're playing seven guys tonight. And we're only going to have one or two guys off the bench and our best players are going to play like, you know, 40 minutes or whatever. That's kind of what the Chiefs need to do at wide receiver to some extent. And I think they already started doing that last week with Richie James, who I believe only played three snaps. Some of that might be injury related, but still like he, he's already kind of being phased out here. I think that you almost, you know, in, in football, you're always going to kind of platoon receivers because you can't just play three receivers, 70 snaps. It's just like, you're just going to get tired, but. I do think like roles wise and snaps wise, they just kind of have to find like, here are our three best receivers. We need to play them in these specific ways all the time. And that's just the way our offense is going to go. Like, I think that last year the chiefs were so famous for how much they like spread the ball around, but that while that has benefits at some point, like there has to be a hierarchy of how you build an offense and right now, outside of Travis Kelsey, there isn't that hierarchy yet. So the Chiefs just, uh, like we've talked about, with these like next five, six weeks, they need to like, here is our hierarchy. Here is our basketball rotation, for the lack of a better term. We're, this is how roles are going to be uh, distributed. And, yeah, I think that's like a critical point for the Chiefs to figure out this year. Have you guys ever seen the movie Kicking and Screaming starring Will Ferrell? Oh, yeah. So, you know where there's the two Italian kids and then the, like the whole offense is just pass it to the Italians, pass it to the Italians. And he's just screaming it all the time. Like if you think about the best offenses in the uh, NFL right now, they have a lot. They have lots of Italians, right? It's Devontae Smith and it's A.J. Brown. It's Jalen Waddle and it's Tyree Kill. The Chiefs have one Italian. They need more Italians, right? And until they get more Italians, they're just going to be passing the ball all around. And if you've ever watched toddlers play soccer, it's just like an amoeba, right? Like everyone just follows the ball around, right? We need until the Chiefs have, you know, those playmakers, those Italians, they're going to struggle with this, right? And, you know, so I, someone tweeted out, non-Chiefs person, after the first half that the Chiefs had completed, like, 12 passes to, like, 11 different receivers in the first half. And they said, like, is this too much? Is this what you want? And, you know, I, I think it's a great point. I'm not entirely sure it is what it is, what you want. And in this stretch of time, why not find out if, you know, give Justin Ross a 28% snap share here and see if he can actually do something with it. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, you don't want to treat this like a preseason game and find yourself in a battle with the Bears in the fourth quarter any given Sunday, all those cliches. But they've got some opportunities here to figure it out. All right. So we're going to find out if Justin Ross is Italian this week. Her. I'm gonna be, I'll be like tweeting out like the, the pinching emojis, like when he catches a touch on the fourth quarter and you guys will know what I mean. <laughs> Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so you kind of led me into my key uh, talking about this not being a preseason game and not wanting to get into a close battle with the Bears late in this one. But guys, my focus is going to be on the strength of the Chiefs so far. And Maurice, you kind of alluded to this as well. But this defense has been carrying the water for the Chiefs. And I don't think any of us were expecting this to be the case through two weeks. I don't think anybody anywhere expected them to look this good in conjunction with the Chiefs offense looking as average as they've looked through two games. But I don't know if this is a flash in the pan. I don't know if this is just a moment in time. But what I do know, if this is a moment, it shouldn't end this weekend against the Bears. You can look around the NFL and teams who struggle and all of a sudden they see the Cardinals or the Panthers or the Texans on their schedule and it's a get-right opportunity. I don't know if there's a word for it, but this is the exact opposite for the Bears. Justin Fields has not seen the leap through two weeks that we expected. There are comments about him thinking too much. He took one of the worst sacks I think anybody's ever seen last week where he had plenty of time to throw it, but there's clearly not a lot of gelling or clicking going on for the Bears, which means even if you think this is sort of like a nothing game, a game that we won't remember at the end of the year, there is still something to be gained when good teams like the Chiefs play bad teams like the Bears. I know coaches like to say, you know, a win's a win, whatever. If the Chiefs win by one, Andy Reid will say something along those lines in the postgame press conference. But we don't have to follow those rules. A win is not a win. Like beating the Bears by one is not the same as blowing the doors off Chicago. And that's exactly what the Chiefs should do to this team. But they can't do it unless the defense continues to impose their will. And if this defense is legit, there is absolutely no reason why they shouldn't be doing that. And it starts up front with the pass rush. We saw the return of Chris Jones. I don't think any of us expected him to look that fresh. I mean, we knew he was a top 10 player in football, but for him to come out and look like the exact same player he was all of last year after missing all of training camp shows that, okay, we thought he was peaking last year. He might still be peaking here into 2023. This pass rush should absolutely have their way with Chicago. They've got one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Justin Field is being sacked at a higher rate than any other quarterback in the league. It is a perfect storm for what we've seen so far to continue this weekend against Justin Fields. Like if he has a, a bounce back game, that to me is going to be a little bit concerning simply because this is the perfect opportunity for you guys to come out and say, yeah, actually we are for real. I know you may have doubted us the first couple of weeks, but we are a top five defense, a top 10 defense, whatever the case is in the NFL. And I think that all starts up front with the pass rush, which has looked better than expected. And it's not just Chris Jones, right? Like Mike Dana's looked great. Felix Sanyudike Uzama's looked good. George Karloftis with a sack and a half through his first two games. Maybe he's taking a leap here into his sophomore season. You've got some horses. You've invested a lot of money and draft equity into that pass rush. And I think the Chiefs, should continue to like make that an emphasis of we are going to beat you up front, especially while the offense is still trying to get right. Yeah, you bring up a good point. For a long time, the Chiefs have just had this history of 
putting it putting things in the bag and not taking out any good plays or anything like that, holding everything back against these lesser opponents. Think back to like the Rams game last year. The games just get clunky and ugly, and the Chiefs just seem to put nothing out there. I'm not really sure they can afford to do that this year. This kind of feels like, you know, when Alabama, I guess you'd say Georgia now, a real football powerhouse, uh, whenever they schedule like Middle Eastern Maine University in week two, and they just bludgeon them 71-0, to zero, the Chiefs kind of need that a little bit. And I agree with you, the Chiefs defense, they, you know, everyone's talking about the Cowboys defense, and they've played Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson so far. The Chiefs defense is a great opportunity for them to like kind of put their mark on the season and say, hey, what if we just like hold them to three points and just have a dominant outing totally within the realm of possibility. And then, yeah, this is a get right game for the Chiefs offense. Like, let's not screw around and be, you know, 2014 going into the fourth quarter. Like, let's, you know, let's get Blaine Gabbert some reps in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs have it in their ability at this point. I would like to see the Chiefs have it before we can start holding things back. Like let's, let's prove we can do it before we hold anything back. So um, obviously Andy's got a play sheet. He's been calling plays deep into February, several years in a row, but would like to see them stretch their legs a little bit. You, you made a college football reference. Sorry. He made a college football reference and we have to reference the fact that Nate's wearing an Iowa Hawkeyes hat. And while you're talking about that, it made me think like the chiefs are the Iowa Hawkeyes of football through two weeks. Like we're going to play slow or not slow necessarily, but like low scoring grinded out games, 17 to three. That's right where we want to live. I'm not signing up for that brand of football. So I hope this is just like a two week thing and we can get back to the Chiefs scoring 35 points a game. The Chiefs have actually won a big game before. I would, <laughs> I would like to point that out. <laughs> like, at some point, sorry, what were you going to say? Like at some point, the offense has to get on track. It's what we all think, right? Like sometimes at some point, the Chiefs' offense has to get on track. But I, I'm I'm with both of you. I like the defense has to come out and dominate. I I love what I've seen from the Chiefs' defense so far this season. Because I mean, the Lions nor the Jaguars are pushovers, right? And what they what they've been able to come out and do definitely on the defensive front without Chris Jones, and then last week with Chris Jones, the defensive front looked very dominant, right? I think we've seen some of the best play we've seen out of Derek Nottie. In, some, in a couple of years, right? He's he's been a steady presence. They had a they had a lineup in there one time. I think uh, Chris Jones and and FAU was out on the edges, and they had Kalafis and and Mike Dana in the middle, and like all of them won, right? All of them did what they were supposed to do. Linebackers, um, I think me, Nate, and Price, without talking, end up pinpointing like great linebacker play this week in our articles on Earlhead Pride. Like the linebackers have looked great. And this is just a game where I feel like they have to come out, make a statement. Like we we going because normally, like we say, the Chiefs don't do dominate bottom tier teams like they should because they like take their foot off the. This is a game where they have to come out and say a dominant defense will shut these boys out, and they shouldn't do anything until like the fourth quarter where backups are in. I don't know if you guys are like me, but after the game last week, I went and watched a live reaction stream for the Jaguars. And they were like faces in hands. Our season is over. Our offense is broken. There is no reason for hope. There is no reason for optimism. Like the Chiefs defense made Jaguars fans feel like their season was lost in week two. I don't think a Chiefs defense has ever done that in the Andy Reid era where you all of a sudden are questioning like, is Trevor Lawrence the guy? Like is Doug Peterson was that was last year it? Was that the peak? Like this, this never happens before. And I think the same thing needs to happen this weekend. Like I want to go watch a Bears stream because I'm an internet sleuth on Sunday night. And I want fans saying like, okay, the Justin Fields experiment's over. 
right? Because that's what will happen if the Chiefs go out and win this game 34 to 6 and the Bears offense continues to struggle. Absolutely. All right, should we get to game predictions? Yeah, let's get it. All right, Maurice, why don't you start us off? How do you see this one going? Um, I, I, I'm going to go with what I hope, right? What I hope is that the Chiefs defense come out and dominate and that the offense finally clicks and does what they're supposed to do on at least a higher level. I know once you get a big score and he's going to take his foot off the gas, that's, that's what he always does. I'm going to go 27 to 10 in this Chiefs victory. 27-10. Okay, so that would be a comfortable cover for Kansas City. Nate, what do you got? Yeah, it's – it's just hard to even think about. I mean, the Bears, uh, setting aside all the stuff that's already happened with their defensive coordinator this week, it really feels like they banked their entire season on them being able to win week one against the Packers, and then they get blown out, and everything since then has just been a tire fire. It's just an entire mess, entire that entire building, the front office, the coaching staff, the players. It just really feels like there's either only two ways this can go. One, this is just a insane desperation game where the Bears just come out and go for it like on every fourth down and they're doing like fake punts and they're you know running Justin Fields like 25 times because they're like, if we lose this game, frankly, like if it if this is an embarrassing showing for the Bears, there's a chance their staff gets fired. Or at least people on that staff, maybe not the head coach, but at least like the coordinators maybe get fired. And the only other way this would go is that the Chiefs just pull them out. And it's Thursday. The quotes inside the building are not getting any better. The vibes in the building aren't getting any better. So I just think it just doesn't feel like right now they're in the spot to really beat a good football team like the Chiefs. So I, I'm predicting the blowout. I compare this game to the – if people remember in 2020 when we played the 0-10 Jets, uh, I think Adam Gaze was still the coach. And Sam Darrell's the quarterback, and the Chiefs won like forty to like three. I think it's going to be something similar. I'm, I I don't typically pick blowouts in the NFL, but I'm going to do here. I think the Chiefs win thirty eight to ten. Whew, that is a big win. Price, where are you going? Um, yeah, I'm, it, it's hard because like I, I'm not sure if they've bottomed out yet. So what Nate's talking about? There's been some really bad vibes in the locker room. Uh, not just the defensive coordinator stuff, but with some of the comments Fields has made. There's videos about DJ Moore being on the field with a Devin White and saying, yeah, they're not using me right. It, it's there's a lot of bad vibes and you can't tell if it's bottomed out yet or if this is the classic cornered cornered animal that fights back. Uh, we talked about the potential shift and like what they're going to do with Justin Fields. But I the bigger issue is I just don't see a way that that offensive line is going to protect him, even if Justin Fields wasn't awful at taking sacks. And I just don't see the Bears defense being able to hold up against what the Chiefs can do just in their bread and butter. Um, I imagine that this game will be a blowout for the most part, and they might let their old buddy Ryan Poles through the backdoor cover there. So I'm going to take the Chiefs 31, Bears 21. You know, you started the show talking about the injury to Nick Bolton, and I think that linebacking core, like if, if they really have a, a chance to decide this game because the Bears' only chance, not even of winning because I'm not entertaining that, their only chance of scoring, their only chance of moving down the field and putting points on the board is if Justin Fields can get going with his legs, because at this point, there's no reason to believe he's going to be able to have success passing the ball. As much as we have loved Leo Chanel and Drew Tranquil, like those guys have a chance to say like, okay, yep, we've got depth in this room. We can play because it's going to be up to them to keep Justin Fields from getting going in the run game. If they do that, I just, 
I can't really imagine, like if I'm trying to go through the worst case scenario, I can't really imagine how the Bears, even as bad as the Chiefs offense has been, how they're going to be able to keep up with Kansas City. Because the one deciding factor is as bad as the Bears are on offense, they're equally as bad on defense. And right now, they look like one of the bottom five teams in the NFL. So there's no way I can I can foresee or predict the Chiefs not winning big in this one. I'm going to go 31 to 13 Kansas City moving to two and one. So we all have Chiefs wins. I think we went three with the cover. Price, you were the only one without it. So we're keeping receipts and uh, we'll see if the Chiefs can get the big win. And, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll discuss again next week. Fellas, pleasure as always. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. This is Kingdom Keys, the official pregame podcast for Arrowhead Pride. For Price Carter, Nate Christensen, and Maurice Elston, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.